This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work, a movement that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. Find out more at www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to I Work Room this afternoon as we are in Lubbock, Texas, courtesy of the Kingdom at Work ministry, kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. They're hosting the Kingdom Leadership Workshop, and we want you to be part of that next year. In 2019, get signed up for you and your leadership team. Bring them here. Learn and see and experience what it means to to become a kingdom company. Because when a kingdom leader engages in a kingdom style, then a kingdom culture emerges and the kingdom of God advances. So we're on location in Lubbock, Texas. We desperately want you to get involved in this ministry. It just is a great starting point for taking your business or your organization to the next level and incorporating kingdom values throughout. Martha, we've, you know, we're highlighting so much about kingdom leadership workshop. Maybe we should tell people how they can get hold of us. Sure, Jim. So people can find us on our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And there, um, I've just been working on some new things on our website so people can check it out. One of the biggest things is if you are anywhere in the world and you're not in our time zone and near radio, you can still catch the show live. We are on about seven or eight different times a day. And there is a function on our website where they can listen live. And it just has a little red flashing button. That's all they have to look for. And if it's flashing, it's plain. Now, if you got little flashing red lights behind you right now as you're driving down the road, that's not I Work For Him Radio. That's a police officer asking you to, to pull over. So make sure you don't confuse those little flashing red buttons. Oh, very good point. Okay. First half of the show, Bill and Stacy Spencer from Narrowgate Foundation. The Narrowgate Foundation. You can check them out online, narrowgate.org, narrowgate.org. Bill and Stacy, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks. Great Thanks. to be here. All right. I want to hear a little bit of your Jesus story. Stacy, tell me how you became a Jesus follower. Well, I was 33 years old before I met Jesus, Jim. And, and I have to tell you, from the very beginning of my life, I was very career-oriented. I always knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in TV and radio broadcasting, as a matter of fact. So I went to school for that, and I was a... I graduated college and I worked for 10 years in my profession, which was pretty much a male dominated industry at the Mm -hmm. time. And I was one of the few women producers in my, my market there in Nashville. And at 33 years old, I got invited to a church and I met Jesus that night and he changed the trajectory of my life. And it wasn't long after meeting and having this significant encounter with the Lord that my husband and I decided to invite some young men to come move into our house. Because we had this heart transformation that was no longer about acquiring things for ourselves and our own goals and our own priorities in life. Jesus sort of reprioritized our lives for us. And we wanted to be more involved in his work. And we thought the best way to do that was to get involved in what would we would have called at the time full-time ministry. Now, of course, we would call it something completely different. But what happened was God introduced us to two 19-year-old young men We didn't have children of our own. We had a three-bedroom, two-bath house, so we had extra rooms. So we invited these young men to live with us. And over the course of the next year, we began to watch them transform in front of our very eyes as we just lived our Christian life in front of them. And we encouraged them to seek out the things that they were looking for in life. They were looking for purpose. They Mm -hmm. were looking for identity. They were looking for meaning. And of course, we knew that that would only be found never in a job, never in a career, but only in a relationship with Jesus. So as we encouraged that in them, they began to transform. And by the end of that year, Bill and I had seven guys living in our three-bedroom, two-bath house. 
and we knew that God was something up. God was up to something just tremendous. And so we began a three-year journey of walking out of full-time secular work. We were in the computer um, software development business and starting this ministry now called Narrowgate. And um, we've had over 375 young men that have come live with us over the past 75 years. And the most... Wait, you mean, 75? You mean 15 years. 15 years. 75. I was like, how many, how many not, lives not, have you lived? <laughs> 375 young men in 15 years. Wow. Thank you. Right. I was going to ask you too. It's good your husband yeah. got you though. And what's been the most amazing transformation for me personally is to watch God take me from a selfish, greedy uh, person who was interested in my own personal goals to a life submitted to watching other people's dreams and hopes and visions come true. Mm. And what what it's done in me in giving me purpose in investing in young men and watching them come alive in Christ. There's nothing like it. So there's no career path that I could have ever chosen that would give me the satisfaction that I'm getting now being in the work that I'm able to be in. So is it like a mini teen challenge that you're doing there or how would you describe it, Bill Spencer? But it's tough. I'm it's, it's not like a mini anything because when we set out to do this, we didn't set out to do this. Mm-hmm. Remember, we were in business. So we wrote banking and healthcare software primarily. Um, a couple of guys, you know, we, we were writing for uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers. Mm-hmm. So all the digital media that was coming out of Thomas Nelson was being produced in our shop. So if Charles Stanley or Max Locato or somebody came out with a new software product, our shop actually produced it. And then it was published through Thomas Nelson. One of the guys, one of the execs in Nelson that we worked really closely with had a son who was just having trouble figuring out how to put one foot in front of another. Great guy, just super talented, super bright. He just couldn't find his stride in life. So when he moved in with us, when he was having a tough time, his dad said, hey, will you have lunch with my son? And of course I said, yeah. And at the end of lunch, I said, hey, you want to come stay at our house for a while? And then he moved in, which is kind of a long, complicated story. <laughs> but he moved in with us. We actually gave him a job in our company, not realizing at the time how God can use the workspace, mm-hmm. the marketplace as a ministerial environment. The reason we gave him a job was just to keep him close. He's a talented guy. We thought we can train him up. His buddy came to visit. He thought it was a pretty sweet arrangement, living for free, got a job. So he moved in. <laughs> we gave him a job, too. Wow. Now, we didn't give all seven of them a job because you can only train yeah. so many guys at once. But at the end of the day, when those seven guys began to transform in front of our eyes, we found a different stride, a different purpose, a different meaning in life. By helping someone else discover who they are and why they're here, which can only be discovered in Christ truly, right. by doing that, we figured out who we are and why we're here. That was the beginning of what we saw as ministry. We just made the mistake of believing that we then had to leave our company in order to pursue ministry. I say mistake, but the truth is Romans eight twenty eight. right? Everything works together for the good cause mm-hmm. of shaping us into the image of Christ. So we took this hiatus for several years where we brought in some management over a three-year time period. We trained them up and we wound up at the leadership of God, although people think we're crazy, we wound up giving the company to the employees. Mm-hmm. So they took the company and we walked away because we thought we had this Narragate ministerial calling only to discover about five years later that really God wanted to use all that business acumen. Mm-hmm. He just needed to get us to focus on the ministerial side so he could marry the two halves together. So about five years ago, we partnered together with Beaten Bow Homes, the company that's actually launching this kingdom at work endeavor to launch a sustainable enterprise as a business, as missions, or a marketplace ministry endeavor. 
So we started Narragate Trading Company as a division of what our foundation focuses on. The reason we did it was because we found guys who were really, really adept, really talented in wood and leather working. And we wanted to create a wood and leather products manufacturing company. So we've done that now, and it's been a very successful enterprise. We've employed almost 40 of our graduates in that enterprise, and uh, the enterprise just continues to grow and grow. Bill, let's go back to your Jesus story. So you and Stacy were married before she came to be a Jesus follower? We were. Isn't that weird? It is. Um, because I actually met Jesus when I was 20. Okay. Uh, so I was in college, uh, had a pretty radical encounter, got involved with a very, very almost militaristic uh, campus Bible study movement. And had an opportunity to do some traveling around. Uh, I was involved in the entertainment business for a while. So I got to travel and, and do some singing. And I sort of got to see the church behind the Sunday morning veil, if you will. Mm. And was that's a rough way to see the church. Um, when you're young and arrogant. Yeah. And I was young and arrogant and thought I had all the answers. And woke up one day and went, you know, if that's the church, I don't really want to be a part of it. Which really, when you think about it. I don't want to be a part of the thing that I am a part of. It doesn't make any sense at all because it's all the bride of Christ. So it became very judgmental and very condemning toward organized religion, if you want to use that label. So I just pulled up stakes and moved out to Oregon and lived out there for about four years on the side of a mountain with a couple of wolves and a 72 Land Cruiser and drove a school bus and finished concrete and just kind of checked out for a while. Good guy can only do that so long. And then there's enough drive inside of us. We've got to go do something that matters. Right. So I came back to Did you keep Tennessee. the Land Cruiser, though, when you came back to Middle Tennessee? Man, don't you wish. I mean, <laughs> and, and I sold it. Isn't that stupid? That is But stupid. I did. Well, you know. So I came back, and Stacy and I started this business, and that's when we had this encounter on the same night. Excellent. She She was saved, and I was brought back into the kingdom in the same night. Bill, let's just, let's just jump in. So you and Stacy started a business. The, the software business after you came out of the mountains and decided to shave your head and you know <laughs> clean the beard up and you sold the land cruiser which was a big mistake because today it's worth fifty or sixty thousand yeah. um, dollars. But we won't talk about. No, that. we're not. We're not going to rub salt <laughs> in that wound at all. But you know those are just super rare, and I can't believe you sold yeah. that fifty-year-old car. Okay, thanks for giving me time to stop crying and wipe my nose. Man. Yeah, just, it's, the, it's, just the remembrance it, of it brings tears. It does. It a does. man makes mistakes, right? Oh yes, that is for sure. Okay. Narrowgate Trading Company. Yeah. Look, we fast forward. You've been investing your hearts, your minds, your souls into and the kingdom into 375 men over, as Stacy said, 75 years, or as you said, 15 <laughs> years. So yeah. somewhere between 15 and 75 somewhere. years. You realize that these guys had a lot of phenomenal skills, yet nowhere to really plug them in. And mm -hmm. you found a kingdom purpose to plug them into. What is that? Uh, Narrowgate Trading Company. So on our property, we have a 122-acre property in Middle Tennessee. Beautiful mm -hmm. place to live. We wake up and kind of look at the trees, and it feels like we live in a postcard. But on that property, we established a cabinet-grade wood shop, a full forge and foundry metal shop, and a full leatherworking shop. Because we knew a lot of guys learn tactically. They, were, they learn with their hands. They sure. learn by doing. And a lot of the guys that we deal with, if they haven't really found that stride in life, sometimes it's because the standard academic Western educational approach just doesn't fit them very well. Well, it's because back when we were kids, we had industrial arts. We had shop class. No, man. When I was a kid, I had a 69 Chevelle Supersport, brother. Oh, oh going to talk about more. Well, cool no, I don't have that one either. So before you bring it up, just leave <laughs> it alone. Okay. That's only worth like 180,000. Yeah. So well, after I got done, it had a shop blower class? system, yes. nine foot 
ladder bars. This back was a to, sweet back to truck bar. uphill. Okay. Okay. All Did right. you have shop class when you were? I had shop class, man. Absolutely. And so you learned, I had shop and, class. and that's how they, in the old days, that's why, how they found out our kids. You know, I'm a little offended by old days. I, yeah. I went through shop class the too. The same okay. old days. I have the yeah. toolbox that I made spot welding when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> so, but I, that wasn't my gift working with my hands. I'm not that gifted in working my hands. But yet there are a lot of people that that's just their natural gift. God equipped them to work with their hands. He gave them that's those right. talents. That's right. And yet we try to shove them into college. That's right. And it internally blows them up and they waste money. That's exactly right. So what we found was a certain percentage of the guys that come to Narrowgate, Narrowgate Lodge is the name of the ministry now. Okay. So Narrowgate Foundation is the organization that has three specific initiatives that it pursues. Narrowgate Lodge is the heartbeat of what we do. Mm-hmm. 18 to 25 year old young men, we take 30 to 36 per year. They come and live with us for eight months. Mm. And a certain percentage of those guys are going to have real aptitudes with their hands, Mm -hmm. real giftedness. So we partnered with Beat and Bow and we started Narragate Trading Company as a way to build a wood and leather products manufacturing business that could not only be a marketplace ministry where the, the employees are loved well and the clients are loved well, but it could also be a sustainable source of revenue back to Narragate Lodge. Because those 30 to 36 guys that come and live with us, there's no tuition. Mm. It's a a zero cost to them. Now, it's not a zero cost to us. Right. But if we're really going to reach backward, and and this is where conversation gets delicate. A lot of people want to say things about the millennial generation today or whatever label you want to put on to them. The truth is the generation that we face, the young men that we face that are having a hard time migrating from adolescence into manhood, were raised in a culture that the old guys from the old days, you and me, we made that culture. We grew up being taught by our parents that the goal of life was to work your butt off, get ahead and give a better life to your children Mm -hmm. than you had. And that better life oftentimes had a dollar sign attached to it. If we can have a nicer house and a better car and more and more better food and better predictability about income, that is the goal of better life. Hmm. Well, if you want to, roll the train down the tracks far enough until you come to the standard 18 to 25 year old generation that we're dealing with today. We talked to that. We taught that to them with a magnifying glass. The goal of life is comfort. So they were raised with a series of ethics that you and I don't possess. And yet you and I are the ones that caused the society that caused them (laughs) to possess it. So at some point I've got to stand up and hold my hand up and say, it's my fault. Anybody else can take responsibility if they want to or not, or I don't care. It's my fault. I contributed to this. And if I contributed to it, then I need to contribute to the solution. So why not create a place where guys with real talent, and we can talk about the guys that we select to come live with us, but why don't we have some key criteria, do some targeted selection and find 30 to 36 guys every year that can truly change everything. And then give everything we have to helping them find vision and purpose in life. Now that costs money. So let's take some of those guys and allow them to contribute to the cause. And out of that was born Narragate Trading Company. And we've got various product lines that we've created that are doing very well in the marketplace. And it is a sustainable source of revenue to help offset the cost of Narragate Lodge. But it grew from there eventually from not just a North American or a Middle Tennessee focus to a global focus. 
Well, and if I could easy. just add to one, one of the things that Bill and I are so excited about with Narragate Trading Company is it's also the perfect environment for us to help young men understand how do I take this faith, this personal relationship with Jesus that I learned about and learned to hear the voice of God at Narragate Lodge, how do I incorporate that into my work? Because they're in a workplace environment. So now they get to figure out how do I integrate my faith in work when I'm dealing with customers, when I'm dealing with vendors, when I'm dealing with pricing models. Our young men who are employed at Narragate Trading Company aren't just artisans. They're a part of the business development platform. Mm -hmm. So they're getting discipled. And how do I make a good decision when it comes to making profit without being profitably greedy? Mm -hmm. Or what am I going to do with my profit? Is my profit just for me? Or are there things that I could do with my profit to reinvest in my community or reinvest in other organizations? So it's really exciting to be able to disciple these young men in the business sphere as well, which was cool because that's where Bill and I were before we committed our lives to the Lord. And now, of course, we see that there is no separation between ministry and work. Yeah. It's all mm-hmm. his. Right. And I'm to be a minister of the gospel, whether I'm at home cooking dinner or whether I'm making a business deal, or whether I'm on the phone dealing with a vendor. I'm, I'm a minister of the gospel, no matter what role I'm in. We're talking with Bill and Stacy Spencer. They've got a ministry that you can check out online, narrowgate.org. And as they said, it's really a business tree. They've got a way where they are hosting young men between 18 and 25 years of age, 36 of them each year. They, they, they choose them. They mentor and disciple them. They teach them real life and then set them out to impact the kingdom around the country. You can check them out online, narrowgate.org, narrowgate.org. Bill, you've taken this model and now it's, let's, we've got two and a half minutes left in this segment. Talk about how this is impacting the world. We were approached by Woodmiser Sawmills, the largest producer of portable bandsaw mills in the world. They found our website, uh, heard about us through a friend, found our website, set us down at lunch and said, we want to give you a sawmill, which doesn't happen in North America. Hmm. They give sawmills globally as a global missions advancement plan. But they said, we want to give you one, even though you're North American, but it comes with a string attached. Right now, we give sawmills to people in Africa, South America, Asia, all over the world to advance the kingdom of God, but they don't really know how to operate the sawmill. So we want to give you a sawmill, and then we want to bring people from around the world and plant them in your backyard and have you train them on how to maintain that mill and how to use that mill properly, because our mantra, Woodmiser's mantra, is forest to final form, and we're really great at forest to logs on the ground, to cut them up into maybe it's lumber, maybe it's just something that sort of looks like lumber that isn't really (laughs) accurate. But getting to final form is something they can't do. You have a successful wood products manufacturing business. We want you to take us the last mile. And out of that idea was born something called Narrowgate Exchange. Narrowgate Exchange accepts students from around the world to come and live in the United States in a training environment with three separate curriculum. The first one is a disciple-making curriculum. It's what we've been doing for 15 years. The second one, we took the Partners Worldwide Business Development Curriculum and molded it into a 90-day application to teach them the basics of business development and business management. And then thirdly, a vocational arts segment that teaches uh, wood milling and wood product manufacturing then we're going to go back and establish an educational furniture manufacturing business in Liberia, Ghana, Uganda, Fiji, different places around the world, because they not only need school buildings that can be built with the lumber, but they need the educational furniture to go in the building so they're not sitting on a dirt floor to learn. 
we found effective nonprofit ministry organizations in various countries around the world who have partners that they can vet, send to us, we can prepare and send Mm. back and advance the kingdom through marketplace ministry in the entire world. There's so much more we can talk about that, and we're going to have to do that on a future show. Bill and Stacy Spencer with Narrowgate Foundation, Narrowgate Trading Company, Narrowgate Lodge, and Narrowgate Exchange. Thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. Yeah, Thanks. it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Narrowgate.com. Martha and I are on location in Lubbock, Texas, courtesy of the Kingdom at Work, folks. Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Check it out for you and your team. You want to run, learn how to run a kingdom-focused company. This is the place where you get introduced to the idea because when a kingdom leader engages in a kingdom style, then a kingdom culture emerges and the kingdom of God advances. I decided against what I closed out the last segment with. Like, I just said, Bill and Stacey, could you just stay? Can we just do the rest of the show with just you? We'll find those other guys later. James Dobson does that all the time. So I think we can do that too. (laughs) Hey, would you guys hold over for another segment or two? Just for the record, I'm not comparing us to James Dobson in any way. (laughs) So you guys can do that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not comparing myself to James Dobson either. I'd like to have his... You know, his fundraising Format. efforts, That'd that would be, nice. be fantastic. But go. anyway, it, it's, it's good to have you guys here. I really, because Thanks. you've got more that we needed to talk about. At the end of the last segment, you're talking about the narrow gate exchange, which is where you, you created a company that you took the trading company idea and you took this into a way where you can impact people and, and fight poverty in countries around the globe. Exactly. So take, take me down that road. You guys take me where we're going to go with this. Narrowgate Exchange, uh, boy, let, let's back up and just talk about some back principles. So fine. anybody that's ever done a sociological study knows there's something called the, the social fact. It's a, it's a hundred-year-old idea that basically says there's a box that things operate inside of. And it's where we get our phrase, well, that's just how things are, or that's just how things are done. The social fact is just the, ex, the accepted, expected norms of any given sociological interchange. That's all it is. Okay. So the social fact says that when you're trying to help somebody, there's just a way that it's done. Somebody needs food, you give them food. And then there are, there's kind of a global aid industry that's been built to, to meet those needs. The problem is that phrase, when helping hurts, you know, the book that before we started the show today, we were talking about right. that. that fantastic book. The problem is sometimes the social fact, the way things are done is not really the best way to do them. And a lot of people come up with, with new ways to get it done, but they usually think inside the box. Mm-hmm. When Narragate Exchange came around, I told you that Wood Miser approached us and said, hey, we've got an idea. We want to bring people from overseas and you train them and send them back. And, and I said that gave birth to this initiative that we're a part of. It's not really quite as simple as that because we started talking about what would cause real success what would really cause something to thrive or to flourish? And if you think about the term thrive or flourish, it's always relative. To thrive or flourish in North America means something mm. socially, economically, politically. It has influence and power and money all attached to this idea of thrive. It has health and wealth, if you will, mm. attached to it. But to thrive in a relative environment, if you pick up that same concept and ask the question, what does it mean to thrive? In Liberia, for instance, sure, the fourth poorest country in the world. So thrive becomes relative to the environment where you plant the concept. So we get to ask the question, what can we do 
to cause thriving. Failure to thrive is actually a medical term for children. Sure. So what can we do to, to take the failure to thrive socially and economically and treat that as an ailment because the kingdom brings life, not sickness and death. The kingdom brings life and healing and healing, redemptive and healing, wholeness. The right. whole, so what can we do to actually cause thriving in this marketplace ministry idea? And the first thing, and this is where people just sort of look at you and cross you. The first thing we can do is instead of us planting a business in that country and offering fair wage and fair, instead of doing that, what if we actually gave ownership of the company to the people in that country that are doing the work? And you think, wait a minute, this <laughs> it's just insane. How do you even sustain yourself? Well, you have to back up to another principle, which is part of this kingdom at work workshop that we're a part of this leadership workshop. The way you sustain any enterprise that's a kingdom enterprise is really simple. You don't. God is the one who sustains the enterprise. He's right. the one who plants it, who nourishes it, who grows it and launches it. So if we're actually being led by the spirit of God to do in some kind of selfless, loving fashion for somebody else, just like Jesus did for us, something that gives them life and causes them to thrive. And we know we're walking after the spirit. We have to believe that the provision we need to accomplish that goal will be provided by the owner, the instantiator, the nourisher of this whole enterprise, God. So we said, okay, then let's give ownership away. But it's not enough to just give ownership. You have to sit in the position of partnership or servitude to the people that you're now esteeming. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Esteem others more highly than self. Okay, but I got I just step back for a minute. So you're giving ownership. You're helping them start a business. You're giving them ownership. How is that different than the idea of when helping hurts, when we're just giving people stuff when they need to, when they need to establish some sort of self-worth uh, by earning those things? That's it's a like great the, idea. Yeah. yeah, and I think the difference is, these young men that we're inviting to come be a part of Narragate Exchange, this is their vision. So these are not businesses that we're saying, hey, we want to start a business in your country. These are young men who are working with nonprofits in their local community in Liberia and Ghana, Uganda, and Fiji. Fiji, Kenya. And they are recognizing what are the natural resources, okay, just like any entrepreneur. What are the natural resources and what are the opportunities? Well, natural resources in these countries is timber. That's a very hmm. plentiful natural resource, but they don't have the means by which to take that lumber and turn it into anything that could be a generative source of income for them to create economic development and even um, uh, infrastructure in their community. And so they have an idea. I'd love to start a woodworking business, but you know what? I don't know how to become a woodworker. There are no woodworking training facilities in Liberia or Fiji or Ghana. If only, right? If only I could do that, I would love to work with my hands. Maybe they already have some basic hand skills that they're good at. So our local nonprofits that are working in those regions identify those young men and say, this is a young man who has potential. This is a young man who has personal drive and commitment. He's already been com um, serving as a leader in the local community. So we've identified him and we're saying to you, young man, would you like to start a business? Yes, but I have no resources. 
What if the people of God, because they believe in you, want to come alongside you and give you the opportunity and resources you would not have to start your own and grow your own business? So that's the ownership part of it. And these are already Jesus followers you're talking about. Absolutely. These are already committed Christians. So if I can pick up that concept and just encapsulate it. You can in a minute. As we talk, today we're talking with Bill and (laughs) Stacey Spencer from Narrowgate. You need to check them out online, Mm narrowgate.org. And all this made possible because of the Kingdom at Work, Kingdom Leadership Workshop, and these guys have a big part in all of this. Okay, now you can take it and run with it. Here we go. Um, when I was a kid, I, my dad looked at me across the, the table at dinner one night, and he said, uh, do you plan on driving when you're 16? Which is a really crazy question to ask a kid, right? It's like, <laughs> well, where'd you, you grow up? Where, which where part of the country? Kirksville, Missouri. We okay. were, we so were. So you plan on driving at 14, not at 16. <laughs> oh, brother. We already know we've talked about cars. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so the answer was a resounding yes. I think I was a whopping 11 or 12 years old. I wasn't, he's okay. You want to drive when you're 16. And those are the points where you want to look at your dad and go, really, are you stupid? But you value your life enough that you never say those things. <laughs> so instead I just said, yes, sir. And then he asked another question. He said, what do you plan on driving when you're 16? Mm. The inference being, you're never touching one of my vehicles. That's not going to (laughs) happen. So my dad said... I wanted a new bicycle. He, he taught me how to weld by welding a little trailer hitch on the back of my bicycle to pull a lawnmower around with so that I could pay him back for the bicycle. And that's how I got my lawnmower business started. Mm-hmm. And then I got other jobs. And yeah, when I was 16, I had a 69 Chevelle Supersport. By the time I was a senior in high school, I bought a brand new car off the showroom floor when I was 18 years old before I graduated from high school because my dad gave me a gift. There is paternalism. And there's partnership. And that's the encapsulation of the idea that Stacy was just talking about. Paternally, I can give you the money to buy a car and then teach you how to take care of it. Or I can give you the skill set necessary to do the work to buy the car and teach you how to take care of it. In one case, I'm partnering with you. In another case, I'm serving as parent to you. What we're trying to do, this is outside the social fact, we're trying to become partners instead of enter into the standard paternalistic environment. So why not let them be the owners of the company if it's their idea anyway? What if we served as a a coaching resource? We served as a capital resource? Because one of the big things that you and I talked about offline before this program started was, what's the difference between what you're doing and a micro-enterprise? Microenterprise finance. So I was because yeah. because there's a lot of organizations out there saying, "Hey, let's go help some some entrepreneurs in in developing nations develop companies, but they need some they need financing, microenterprise financing, you know, five hundred to two thousand dollars." And they do. And what we've what we've witnessed is this: microfinance is fantastic to find somebody to identify somebody that has an entrepreneurial spirit. Because if you provide just enough capital for them to go buy a sewing machine or them to go buy a you know fill in the blank. You can figure out which of those people are willing to really hustle with that and which of them just sort of go, yeah, thanks, until they get tired and then they sell the sewing machine. Hmm. So it's sort of a filter mechanism. It's not really a business instantiation device. A micro what, what enterprise. What does business instantiation? I have no sorry. idea what that word means. I'm, I it's computer stuff coming back. Instantiation. <laughs> it's five syllable word. Those are illegal, and I work for him. Okay, so words. it's not really a good way to plant or start a business. It's just a good way to find people who might be good partners in business because one woman with one sewing machine will produce just enough money to provide for her household, maybe her kids, and that's going to kind of be the end of it. That's the common story. It's not, it's not the exclusive sure. story, but the common one. 
What happens when we want to go from one entrepreneur to a small business with a handful of employees, or better yet, they call them SMEs, a small to medium-sized enterprise. Now, here's the problem we run into when you get outside the United States. We don't realize what a blessing our rule of law is in this country. You or I can start just like that and plan a company in absolutely no time. File the paperwork, do the right stuff, and boom, we're in business. Right. So we can start an S-corp or an LLC or a C-corp or even a sole proprietorship with a DBA checking account. It's like the wind things happen. Move outside this country and watch what happens. There was a study in South America where an attorney went down to plan a business. And I won't mention what country it's in. I don't think that's fair. In 30 days, he and his attorneys had his business started in that South American country. Then, as a sociological exercise, they hired four full-time workers, 40 hours a week, who did not have any of the advantages of North American wealth and influence. It took them 287 days, four workers, 287 days, working 40 hours a week to get the same company started. And when we come back, Bill and Stacy Spencer take this to the next level. Narrowgate.org, narrowgate.org. If you're intrigued by this conversation, you need to engage with them, check them out online. And of course, all of this made possible because of Kingdom at Work and the Kingdom Leadership Workshop as we broadcast to you from Lubbock, Texas. Martha, why are we here? We are here because there are so many amazing things that people can learn when they get around other companies that get Mm -hmm. it and see that their business is a kingdom, has a kingdom purpose. And they're um, willing to share that with others for the purpose of spreading the kingdom. And that's really what it's all about, Jim. And there are so many people hungry to take their business and make it something more. And so we specifically at this Kingdom at Work um, Business Leadership Workshop, Kingdom Leadership, kingdom workshop. leadership workshop, which I fumble every time, um, they're specifically here as the leaders of their organization with the leadership of their organization so that together they can learn and sit around the table and wrestle over concepts that they can take back and change the culture towards their um, their environment with their employees. And right now we've been talking to Bill and Stacy Spencer at, with Narrowgate at narrowgate.org. You guys have so many different um, elements that God has developed with and through you. And we've just touch the top of, of all of that, but people can check that out on the, on your website, narrowgate.org. Right before the break, Bill, you were talking about how you, you, uh, you had a, a company go into South America, set up a, a, a North American company, set up a company in South America in a country and they got everything set and ready to roll in 30 days. Right. And they decided to do a social experiment and they grabbed four guys who also wanted to start a company and they wanted to see how long it would take them to get it accomplished. And four guys working 160 hours combined a week took three or, or a, well, yeah, yeah. I guess a yeah. week mm-hmm. took 287 days to get the same thing accomplished. That's exactly right. 287 days. And it's all because of rule of law. You say, if we just had rule of law in our country, it would go well. The problem is when the laws are broken and a corrupt management system oversees those broken laws, you don't get the same product that you get in the United States of America or North America period. So what happens is you, you don't even have the resource to get from one side of town to another because you can't afford to pay a driver to take you the 30 miles across the city to get this piece of paper stamped. 
And to get that piece of paper stamped, it has to be returned to another office within a certain number of days. And you don't have the resource to make the phone call to get the appointment to get it. So you have to go back and get it stamped again. And you play this ping pong game Mm -hmm. where you're trying to get things established because the laws that are established are broken in the first place, or at least they're skewed in a way that people with wealth and influence can succeed and people without wealth and influence can never get ahead of the curve. So you guys with the Narrowgate Exchange have found a way to make this work. Partnership. Look, you've got a group of people who are bright and gifted and driven. They know hardship that we'll never know. They've come through adversity that we'll never even have to think about facing, let alone face. If you come along as a partner and say, I believe in you, not as an employee, not as a moneymaker for me. I believe in you as an element in God's kingdom that can completely change your culture. And I'll bring our influence to bear so that you can succeed so that you can make others succeed. This is your enterprise, your calling, your endeavor, your ministry. I am just your partner underneath doing exactly what Philippians 2 says. Because Philippians 2 says, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, esteem others more highly than yourself. Look out not only for your own interest, that's the responsible part, but also for the interest of others. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that in this partnership, it's a, it, it, you're really mentoring and discipling people, but you're bringing the capital. So is it a partnership where the people that are bringing the capital from the states to invest in these, these new enterprises in these countries uh, and, and working along with uh, people that are from there, the, the, the people native to that, organ, to that company, country, wow, are, are they keeping any ownership? Are they keep, I mean, what are they getting for their capital investment? Okay, just like any other capital investment, let's say you've got a private equity firm that wants to invest in your company. They're going to take some ownership stake because they provided that capital, unless it's purely a loan. You can go to a capital resource that will just make sort of a, uh, a favorable interest rate loan to you if they believe that it's a, it's a moderate risk loan. Right. It's not a good risk loan. It's a moderate risk loan. But they can, you know, instead of making, you know, five and a half points on the deal, they can actually make eight points or nine points. They may assess that and say, as long as we can have our fingers in the pie, as long as we've got access to your books, we've got audit uh, privileges so we can come in and look at the way things are going. We'll make this loan to you and we'll put some kind of a favorable playback payback schedule on it. So let's say we do a, a zero pay for 36 months. We make some kind of a balloon payment and then some kind of an amortized schedule to pay it all back. What if we did the same thing internationally? And we said, we're going to set you up to succeed. So we'll not only provide capital resources to get you through that SME barrier when you get there, but we'll also provide all kinds of professional North American acumen in bookkeeping, in marketing strategies, in governmental influence. I'll give you an example. We said we're going to start educational furniture enterprises. Well, as North Americans, we can go to the government of Liberia and talk to the absolute head of the government. We can talk to the director of all education for Liberia because we're Americans. What if our role as partner was to make appointments so we can take our Liberian partners with us to get them an appointment they otherwise could not get to pitch a business they otherwise would not own so they can do a deal that they otherwise would not be able to do so that their company flourishes. Liberians making Liberian product, selling to a Liberian government for Liberian improvement for a generation to come. If that's not a picture of how the kingdom advances through selfless love of brothers and sisters in other countries, 
I don't know mm. what is. So you're doing that in Liberia, Ghana. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Ghana? Ghana, Fiji, Kenya, Fiji. Uganda. Okay. Uh, it's, so it's working. You're doing this. Yeah, this absolutely. is happening already. Absolutely. Okay. It's, All right, Stacy. do you want to add any color to any of that story? I just You've think been so most, quiet. I just want to give you a chance. I just think the most exciting part is that God gives us an opportunity to impact people's lives around the world. And, you know, when you least suspect it, when you're just following the Lord's leading, Bill and I had no intentions of ever doing any work, quote, internationally. I mean, before Jesus, our focus was on selfish gain (laughs) and to see what God has done just in our lives and the doors that he's opened as we followed him. I just want to encourage everyone listening that it's the small steps of faith you take today. You have no idea how God's going to use you to advance his kingdom locally, globally, in ways you never imagined. If you'll just take those first steps and be faithful. Okay. Here's the question for you guys. And did you have a question, Martha? Because I didn't even look at you to see if you had a question. That's okay. Okay. This is working where you guys are taking Christ following kingdom focused business owners and leaders from the United States and taking that business acumen and some other capital and helping natives of foreign countries to do the same thing, start their own businesses, overcome the barriers that are in front of them. Can this model work in the urban environments that have, that are plagued just in, in our country that are plagued just as bad as some of the countries that you're dealing with overseas? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just such a one word answer, but the word is absolutely. (laughs) Now we're not currently doing it in the urban environment, but we are going to, if you want to look up a company that's doing it incredibly well, there's a company in Birmingham, Alabama right now called magic city woodworks. It's another wood miser partner. Wood miser provided some, some sawmills at a discounted price to a group of woodworkers in Birmingham, Alabama, who said, we're going to reach into some of the distressed urban environments where there's a lot of single parent family families, Mm -hmm. a lot of families where there's not a father present in a young man's life. And we're going to reach, I mean, we were laughing in the last, in the last show about how you and I grew up as old guys, where we learned how to, you know, spot weld and work with wood and Mm -hmm. mow lawns. And they're going to reach back to the same urban environment and say, Hey, you might not have had the opportunity to learn how to do these things, but if you come with me, I'll put you in a manufacturing environment where you can learn how to fell trees. You can learn how to mill. You can learn how to manufacture. We just saw a posting by Magic City Woodworks. Do you remember how many tables they provided? I think it was about 60, about 60 conference tables. 60 conference tables Mm -hmm. to a company in Atlanta. And we're not talking about like little four foot. We're talking about conference tables, 12, 15 foot, 42 inch wide, three inch thick slab conference tables. That's their big thing. So can you do it in the urban environment? Absolutely you can, because what they're looking for are a group of guys who want to come along and say, we'll take this same business model, go to another city, plan it, Mm -hmm. own it, make it thrive, and give it to another generation behind us. Mm -hmm. The key is this. When you enter into business, you have to ask the question, why am I here? Most people enter into business for the purpose of profit. And they say that's the lifeblood of business is profit. I just disagree. We look at it with a different social fact. While it may be the blood, the blood alone is not what makes life. You need every single component. So maybe your business has a higher calling and purpose. Maybe it's the people that you're sworn to love, not just the money that you're called to make. Hmm. And the money is just an engine that gives you the capacity to love people more effectively. 
I just love that. I just am super excited to be able to see that next stage. I want you to connect us to those Magic City Woodwork people. Absolutely. We, we've got to get that done. Is that and where is that in Atlanta? Birmingham, Birmingham. Alabama. Birmingham. That's well, right on the way to Nashville. You, we could cut that, cut through that way. Amazing people. Bill and Stacy Spencer with Narrowgate. Thank you for being on I Work for Him. Uh, thank thank you. you all for having us. Thanks, Thanks for staying yeah. for the second half. Really appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Check them out online, narrowgate.org, narrowgate.org. And, of course, thank you to the Kingdom at Work people who helped put this on today. Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Bring your team three times available next year, 2019. Kingdom Leadership Workshop, kingdomatwork.com. You've been listening to I Work Room with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's definitely our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.